Thanks for joining the Life's Better podcast, a podcast dedicated to the idea that life is so much better with God, community, and purpose. I'm Jonathan Gleason. This is Josh Doolin. Hey. And today we are going to be talking about how to tune in to God. Uh, Josh, you know I lived in the Nashville area, just south of Nashville for a yeah. number of years. You had to make me feel jealous again. <laughs> so <laughs> when you're driving into Nashville from where I was at, if you're on 65, everyone knows you're going to have to drive by this massive like radio tower. Okay. Uh, I don't even, it's an antenna is what it is. And this thing is so huge and it looks so out of place because it's a strange diamond shape. And it's actually historically one of the reasons why Nashville is the music city. Really? Uh, okay. Because back when radio technology was just getting off the ground, they built this huge, uh, just massive antenna that could broadcast what was going on at the Auburn Land, uh, or the uh, I should say the Grand Ole Opry, yeah. um, to places as far as Canada and even Mexico. If you talk to one of the wow, old, okay. So they That's say. Incredible. So they say. In fact, if you if you talk to an old timer, they they probably tell you, yeah, it could go all the way to Africa, right? Um, <laughs> but that's one of the things. Like they were getting their music out there where other hmm. people just hadn't figured out that technology. Um, the reason I bring this up is we don't we don't listen to music that way anymore. Mm-hmm. Did you ever own a car though, or maybe your parents owned a car? I owned a car a couple times. <laughs> where it was actually one of those old school tuners where you actually it wasn't even digital. You actually had to like oh, tune. Yeah. To get the channel just right. I didn't have a car that was that way, okay. but I had like an old radio that okay. I would try to, you know, tune it in, but like you would never get it exactly right, you know? Right. Old technology. I mean, most of us were streaming our music. We've mm. got, mm-hmm. you know, our playlist. We don't even live in that world anymore. Uh, but the reason why I throw this uh, analogy out there is because. I think so often we understand this reality that life is just better with God. Mm -hmm. Uh, The problem is we're just not tuning in to him. Mm. And if we're going to live a life of purpose for him, well, we've got to tune in to him. And so we're going to be talking about how to tune in to God. But before we do that, and really we're just going to look at one way. Uh, In fact, I think it's a way that most Christians, it's not even on their radar. Mm. Maybe they haven't even heard of it before. Uh, If they have heard of it, I don't think they really understand it. And so we're going to discuss one way that you can begin tuning into God. But before we do that, we're going to do a little game. And uh, <laughs> I've come up with five, like, I guess they're multiple choice questions having to do with food. Yeah. And do you want to explain why, why it's food? We will in a second. We will in a second. Yeah. This is going to lead into our discussion, this way to tune in eating. to God. Eating is the way you tune into God. <laughs> you just got to, it's all about <laughs> indulgence. Yes. <laughs> So uh, I'm going to go first. They're all multiple choice questions. I want you guys to play along. If you're listening, maybe you're smarter than us. Maybe you're just going to be really impressed that we know all the right answers. But Josh, I'm going to go first. All right. Okay, between lemons and limes, which one sinks and which one floats? Uh, One of them floats, one of them sinks. A lime floats, a lemon sinks. That is... That is incorrect. That is incorrect. It's the exact uh, opposite. So the lime is a bit denser than the lemon. Okay. And will sink. Whereas if you slice off lemon, it will be floating down the really? top of your Okay. Well, then I, I had a comedian lie to me because they had a whole joke about the buoyancy <laughs> of limes. And yeah. You know, I, again, I got that information online. Maybe, maybe I they, doubt my maybe the internet is. is lying to me. The comedian's the real source of all things biology. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, zero for one. Great. Um, all right. So this one is: Where does buffalo sauce get its distinct flavor? Is it a? Um, what did I write there? Dried. 
dried jalapenos, peppers. Uh, B, dried cayenne peppers. C, dried ginger root. Or D, actual buffaloes. Oh, man, it's got to be actual buffaloes, man. <laughs> so cayenne, ginger, or... Jalapeno. I'm going to go cayenne. Cayenne is correct. Yes. Good job. Yeah. I, don't, I don't even like buffalo wings. Mm-hmm. It's actually also where um, if you like, uh, what is what is the uh, the thing that's in, a curry. Curry okay. that's in like a lot of like Asian foods. Okay. Cayenne yeah, makes yeah, that yeah. too. So. I don't know. Do you yeah. like do you like the cayenne taste? I love, I love it. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So in nineteen excuse me in two thousand eighteen, Nabisco redesigned its iconic animal cracker box. Think of animal crackers okay. in a little box. Okay. Why did they do it? A. After a hundred years, it was time for some sort of rebranding. Okay. B. PETA didn't like the message it was sending. Or C. Kids wanted lions and apes more than they wanted tigers and hippos, so they had to change the cracker, and because they changed the cracker, they actually had to change the animals on the outside of the box. Hmm. What was uh, What was A again? A was, I mean, it was 100 years of that same brand that they had to do some rebranding. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go C, like an- kids just like the different kinds of animals. So that is incorrect. It's Dang. actually PETA. Okay, PETA. okay. If, 0 for 2. Great. You may not actually remember it, uh, but the box itself, it looked like one of those old school uh, circus box cars mm. where animals were behind bars. Mm. And so PETA was like, uh-uh, that's not good. So mm. that's why they changed it. Okay, Yeah. okay. Honestly, I never have ever gone to like a circus or anything, so like that image is yeah. always just so foreign to me. I just think of the movie Dumbo, and that's about it. Right. Yeah. I think I think any box car, you know, <laughs> bars like that probably ended a hundred years ago, <laughs> but they kept the the brand. All right, this one's interesting to me. Uh-huh. When was the first pizza place opened in America? Is it A, 1905, B, 1872? C, 1856, oh, man. or D, 1801? <laughs> Pizza Place, okay. So um, A, 1905, B, 1872, C, 1856, 1870, or D, in a restaurant. I mean, who yeah. knows? Maybe they were doing it at home. Uh, the yeah. Italian folks. I yeah, don't know. I mean, that's like right around when like Italian immigrants surged to mm-hmm. America. So like that makes sense in yeah. my mind. And guess where it was? I would think New York. It was. It was New York. Okay. Yeah. No. All right. Uh, it was either that or Lawrenceburg. That was, <laughs> I don't know. So one sure. to zero. Yes. Well, well, I'm learning. I'm one bad at food trivia. <laughs> All right. My next question. On Sesame Street, Cookie Monsters cookies are actually a real cookies. B, painted rice cakes, or C, no longer cookies because he only eats healthy foods now. Isn't it C? Like, haven't they switched him from a cookie monster to, like, he eats veggies now or something like that? Yes, he eats healthy, but that's not the right answer. Cookie Monster still indulges with cookies every Mm. once in a while. Good. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, his name would have to change and that's what I think a lot of like grown ups were like no you can't change Cookie Monster and they realized okay I guess we'll allow him the sweet treat every mm. once in a while the real answer is actually rice cakes hmm. uh, except I don't think it's the big foam mm. traditional rice mm-hmm. cake I think it's more of that um, 
I, I don't know, maybe authentic rice cakes. Yeah, so, that anyway. makes sense to me because, you know, obviously they want that effect of it place. going everywhere yeah, yeah. and not hard to clean up off of a, you know, a little guy. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, a Muppet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, number three. So I'm, I'm still zero uh, and you have one. Uh, what was the very first ice cream flavor? Is it A, vanilla bean, B, watermelon, C, honey and whiskey, or D, orange? All right, so if we're going all the way back historically, like the first recorded ice cream. You know some of this. Yes. Okay. okay. Uh, This goes all the way back to like the pharaohs and actual shaved ice with honey. I will take that away. Okay. This is the first recorded time it being called, like the words cream and ice being used together. That cream being a very important part. Not shaved ice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Ice cream. Okay. So I'm still going to go with the honey and whiskey okay. only because that's what the original flavor was, like, you know, ice with, with honey. Mm. So that's where I'm going, and I'm probably way wrong. But It is actually orange flavored, and it goes back to, and and I, I'm interested to know that history. I might have to look it up. But, like, the very first instance where the recipe that's typically used now for ice cream is used was around King Charles' time or whatever. And his okay. family had a secret recipe that eventually got <laughs> leaked. Uh-huh. And uh, the, like, secret ingredient, the secret flavor was a hint of, like, orange flower and then also, like, the orange, like, fruit. Interesting. And so, yeah. yeah. I would imagine not a lot of people could recreate that since mm. oranges in the U.K. I don't think are, I mean... Mm. They're not growing much. I think. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's not really the the climate. That's cool though. Yeah, good to know. Well, I still got that. So one, one zero. <laughs> All right. Um, the Hawaiian pizza. We'll go back to pizza. Okay. The Hawaiian pizza came from where? Was it Canada, Belgium, or Hawaii? I, I mean, I have to say Hawaii. Is that right? It is not. It's Canada. Wow. I know. Okay. Well, how does Why is it called the Hawaiian pizza? <laughs> because of those. Because of the uh, pineapple. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And on Hawaiian pizza, you use Canadian ham. <laughs> That's true. So that makes sense. Or Canadian bacon, Yeah, I yeah. guess. Yeah, ham. Whatever. Yeah, it whatever. is ham. Um, but yeah. Well, dang. Okay. <laughs> oh for 4. You got one more chance. I do. I can tie. Uh, but you could win I right could here. I win right here. <laughs> uh, where did pulled pork barbecue originate? Oh, man. Is it A, South America? <laughs> okay. B, Europe? C, North America, or D, Australia? Pulled pork barbecue. All right. Mm-hmm. It's tricky because, like, part of me wants to say South America because, I mean, it, it just seems right. Mm-hmm. But, I, yeah, I mean, people in North America will be freaking out <laughs> if I say that and I'm wrong. Like, come on, man. It's us. Um I'm going to go with South America. South America? Yeah. The answer is actually North America. Dang it! Yeah, yeah. It all, was, all my friends from the South are like, you're an idiot. Yeah. You're well, an idiot. Here's the thing. It It's close. I, and the reason I changed it, because it originally had Mexico and the United States. Nobody knows whether it was Mexico or the United States. Yeah, but Mexico is North exactly. America. So. And it was Spanish settlers seeing Native Americans create these like smokers. Okay. And then they were like, well, we could do that. And they did it with pig. You okay. and originally created that pulled pork that eventually became what is loved in the South as pulled pork barbecue. I should have went. I should have went with uh, yeah. the South. All right, well, <laughs> there you have it. All right, last one for you, Josh. Got a tie. Got a tie here. Okay. Here we go. 
McDonald's fries were cooked in what until 1990? Mm-hmm. Peanut oil, vegetable oil, or beef fat? Peanut oil, vegetable oil, or beef fat? I'm going to go beef fat. Ding, 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 ding! Because okay. I'm just one. thinking now, like, there's no way we would allow that. <laughs> like, right. They, the reason why they went was because it just seemed so unhealthy. Mm. And, I mean, everyone knows how healthy vegetable <laughs> oil is. Because it says vegetable in the title. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, I've, I've actually recently watched some, like, really old commercials when <laughs> vegetable oil was, like, making its huge push. And people were like, it's so healthy. Yeah, it's, like, you. right alongside broccoli. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well just drink this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, So, okay, Tide, and you have a chance to win right here. Okay. Uh, last question. What fish is consumed most in pounds per year? In the United States. Okay. Is it A, shrimp, B, salmon, C, tuna, or D, crawfish? Oh my gosh. Two of those aren't even fish. Shrimp and crawfish? Those aren't fish. They're fish. No. They swim in the ocean? They're uh, crustaceans. Okay. <laughs> what swimming creature <laughs> okay. is consumed most? <laughs> so we got... So we got... <laughs> Crawfish, uh, salmon, tuna, and shrimp. shrimp. I gotta go with tuna. Tuna? Yeah. The answer is actually shrimp. Believe it. Or I'm not. gonna. I'm, I'm still gonna cry shenanigans <laughs> on this one because that is well, not a fish. Okay, if it was fish, it's actually a tie between salmon and tuna, which is actually eaten at a rate of two. Point three pounds per person in the United States per year. My my dad's like half of the salmon, <laughs> salmon content there. And then any guesses on the amount of shrimp per person per year? <sighs> Too much. I I'd have no idea. Four pounds of oh shrimp gosh. per person per. You guys year. are eating way too much shrimp. <laughs> Our poor oceans. <laughs> you know, I I honestly think that they're okay. Like I've never once heard that shrimp is like near death, and we eat it. I don't know all the time. Like yeah. if if we were gonna consume it out of existence, we would have. I think. Now is that true with the Doolin home? Are you guys eating a lot oh, of shrimp? We love shrimp. Yeah, yeah I one hundred percent. My wife does not like any sort of seafood. Mm. Doesn't like anything out of the river. So I, I can't tell you the last time. Kentucky's a decent place to be then. While we do have like some good crawfish and like stuff of like that, but we don't really have very many good seafood places. Okay. So yeah, she's, she's in a good she's spot. good with that. Yeah. yeah. All right, so we are not going to talk about food all day long. Um, in <laughs> fact, we may even spin this the opposite direction. Mm. We're going to be talking about how to tune in to God. And before we really launch into one strategy in order to do that, uh, let's. Let's kind of introduce it this way. So Wayne Gretzky, when I was a kid, uh, he was a, I know. Yeah, if I was thinking through, like, who is Michael? What's the best segue here? I almost said Michael Scott, because I think of, like, him quoting Wayne Gretzky. Uh, But, yeah, if I was thinking, who is Jonathan going to quote first? Wayne Gretzky would have not been my first guy. He's the guy. He's the guy I'm going to quote. So uh, he was, I mean, he was right at the end of his career when I was a kid, but everyone knew he was, like, the greatest hockey player of all time. Mm. I don't think I even watched the hockey game, but I knew Wayne Gretzky's name. And at one point, an interviewer was asking him, hey, what makes you so great? And he explained that, well, most people, they actually skate to the puck. I skate to where the puck is going to be. Mm-hmm. The idea is he is someone who anticipates, and because of his anticipation, he's able to score the goals. And I think when it comes for uh, it comes to us, when it comes to living a life of purpose, um, we've got to start anticipating where God is at work. We need mm-hmm. to start anticipating and not just reacting. 
particularly this year, but I think throughout our lives, so many of us, we just stay in the reactionary mode. That when a crisis comes, well, then we'll go ahead and move towards the crisis. If something inconvenient comes, well, then we'll try to figure out life. But we're not necessarily living with a lot of intentionality and purpose. Hmm. But if we're going to do our lives well and right, we've got to anticipate where is God at work so we can partner with him. And the only way we can do that effectively, I think, is by tuning in to God. And so a lot of the content that we're going to be sharing today actually comes from a challenge that our leadership team has been involved in since the end of May. And the challenge was to use these summer months as an opportunity to really seek the Lord, to tune into God through prayer and fasting. And fasting. Mm. Fasting. Now, when you when you think of that word fasting, you know, the probably the most literal definition would be going without food, uh, possibly water mm. uh, for a, an extended period of time, usually because of some sort of you know spiritual reason. Uh, at least that's what we see on a global basis. Some people do it for some health reasons, uh, but I think we'd even want to stretch it a little bit more than that. I think fasting can even be from things that are just creating static, you know, talking mm. about tuning into God. If there are things in your life that may not necessarily be bad, but they're creating a lot of static, maybe it's a hobby that just dominates a lot of your time. Mm. Maybe it's a television show that it's not it's not really actually helping you connect with God. <laughs> you can fast from these things. You can actually leave them for a time so that you could use that time that you would normally be engaged with those to connect with God. And so, Josh, I know you're a man of prayer. We pray a lot together. Uh, <laughs> this is one of the things that we do at staff meetings before uh, our, our church gatherings, even our leadership meetings. So I don't think you have a problem like moving into prayer in mm-hmm. order to connect with God. But how do you feel about fasting? Um, you know, I've done it specifically with food a few times in my life. Um, and, you know, my general thought is that is something that, you know, hyper-religious people do. Right. And, you know, it's, it's great. It's a great little addition, but not necessarily something that is a habit in my life that... I can say I go to regularly, you know? Yeah, I agree. I think so many Christians probably see fasting as something they really don't have to do. Mm. Maybe even as much as, well, that's what they did in the Old Testament, right? I mean, they were sacrificing animals. We don't do that anymore. And we don't fast anymore. (laughs) But when you look at the words of Jesus, one of the things that he talks about is fasting. And the way that he communicates fasting it carries with it this idea that maybe he actually expected us to be doing this as a mm. part of a way to tune in to God. And so you're going to read for us Matthew chapter 6, 16 and 18, yeah. where Jesus kind of spells this out. He says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. That it, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And this is right from the Sermon on the Mount, right there in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And it's interesting because even the verses before, he talks about, okay, when you pray, mm. when you mm-hmm. give. And now he's talking about when you fast. And he uses those phrases, when you, when you, when you. So the the implication being that you are going to pray, that you are going to give, and you are going to... You're going to fast. You're going to fast. It's just kind of one of those assumptions. But we don't necessarily think of it this way. In fact, even in my own life, I did not grow up in a church that really communicated 
that this would be one of those spiritual tools to tune in to mm-hmm. God. I remember my parents at times being vaguely aware that they were fasting for different reasons. Uh, but I was not introduced to fasting until I was actually in middle school. Um, when I was in middle school, I had a teacher. I, I think it had to do with a history lesson. I know it was around Easter. And so for whatever reason, this teacher was explaining that in some Christian traditions, people fast during the, that season of Lent leading up to Easter. And I thought, oh, well, that's kind of cool. And so me and a friend, we started talking about, hey, let's fast. We could do this thing. <laughs> so we just chose one day not to eat. And I wish I could say that the whole goal was really connecting with God, preparing my heart for Easter, but that would be a lie. I, I really just saw it as, can I take on this challenge and actually be victorious over what I thought would be impossible, going a whole day without eating? And sure enough, I did. Like, I even had friends mess with me like, hey, you want this cookie? Hey, how about this p- piece of gum? I was like, no, I'm fasting. And I was just really adamant about it. And then the next day, I was just like pigged out for breakfast and I was like, oh, my tummy hurts, right? Um, but... And, and even just kind of going back to this whole idea uh, of fasting, there's a ton of reasons why people fasted in the Bible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't think anyone was encouraged to fast for my reason. <laughs> uh, Josh, you were going to... Yeah, I, I was just going to tag on that, that I, I think that God is good at, you know, with Christians, like good Christian communities. They might not have that idea of and be using that word regularly. Mm-hmm. But something that I luckily grew up with and I've, I've seen in, in Christian circles is it's typically they'll bring up things that they think God is telling them to give up or they'll bring up things that they see in their life that they need to they need to start moving away from and so maybe you've started like an inkling of that pattern of I need to maybe move away from this or I need a time away from this or uh, God, you feel God moving in your heart saying hey this this is taking the place of me He's already moving you towards that word. You're just not using it regularly and you're not applying it into your schedule and you know, you're not talking about it as if it's a, a need in your spiritual life. So maybe that's not because I, I think in my heart I'm I'm thinking through and as we started to do this whole pattern with, with leadership, I realized, you know, there's been times in my life where this has been something that I've needed and I've done because God has moved me towards it, but I didn't call it that, you know. Yeah. Uh and and Fasting in my head is kind of like what Jesus says not to do, which is it's this big thing that groups of people get together and you you do the thirty hour famine or like uh, you you announce it and you're like this is what's happening and I'm gonna do this and like he's like no don't do that right. it's between you and God and yeah. and it's a relationship building thing so yeah I don't know yeah even just to go back to the analogy of you know tuning into mm. a radio station again you didn't own a vehicle but just imagine you know thirty years ago. Uh, you're driving down the highway and you're trying to tune into the, you know that song that you really like. I don't know what kind of old song you like. Maybe it's Pat Benatar. You're just rocking out. I don't even know what she sings, but let's just imagine Josh is like rocking out to to her. And well, that what, sounds like a like mythical creature, Pat Benatar. <laughs> do you not do you not know no. that artist? <laughs> Neither do I. Clearly, but I know her name. I uh, so you're like it's a her. It is. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like what? Okay. <laughs> So if, we, if, if you're old enough to remember this, there's those moments, though, where all of a sudden that song that you're jamming to is no longer on the radio station. All you're getting is static. And so if you've got one of those old school tuners, what do you do? I guess you, you like start messing with it. Yeah, and you start messing it. with it until you get it. Mm-hmm. And you might even ask the question, well, 
you know, why did the static show up in the first place? And it could be anything from you drove into a valley, uh, maybe a big semi, <laughs> you know, drove by, <laughs> weather, who knows? I think the same thing happens with us spiritually. There are times where we're just in tune with God, that we're just feeling his presence, we're empowered by his spirit, and then a week later, we're like, whoa, what happened? I am, mm. I am not in tune with God anymore. And so one of the things that I think would be helpful is to possibly begin fasting. And there's a lot of reasons why we do this. Uh, the Bible talks about a lot of them. Sometimes it's deliverance over an enemy. Uh, sometimes it's just a, this call to repentance that we see uh, played out. But we're going to talk about specifically how fasting can help you tune in to God, hmm. to just begin to hear his voice, to anticipate where he's at, so you can actually partner with him. And so we're just going to kind of uh, uh, share really just four ideas behind this. Josh, you've got the first one. Yeah, so the first one seems obvious. When you fast, you actually have more time to pray, to talk to God. Um, And you can use this time you'd normally spend eating or doing whatever you were giving up for fasting and use it to relationship build uh, and just speak with God and even make some time to listen to him. Uh, And the scripture I'm going to read where this it takes place is Acts 13, 2 through 3. It says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And so obviously there's this moment where they're fasting and they're waiting on the Lord to tell them what they need to be doing. And the Spirit literally tells them what they're supposed to do and they, they're able to do it. Yeah. And so it, I think that's a natural uh if if you're looking for an answer uh Mm -hmm. to a specific question or uh you need help uh spend that time fasting and praying and waiting on the lord to give you an answer because i think oftentimes we think our clever idea must be from god right Mm -hmm. if we've got this really great idea of course of course this is the best thing to do but so often we don't pause enough to really seek the lord particularly in big decisions like what we have here now. And and, uh, to tackle that a little bit differently, uh, like let's say that you and I like had an issue Hmm. that I I was like, I really wish that I knew the answer to this question that Jonathan had. The easiest time or easiest way for me to find out what Jonathan wants is for me to carve out time to ask him that question. Right. (laughs) Like, like, that makes the most sense in my mind where like if I just kept saying, you know, Emily, I really wish that I knew like, what Jonathan would want for this particular spot in worship, and then I just go and I'm like doing my normal routine, Emily would be like, you're dumb. Like, go talk to him about it. Of course, the easiest way to find out what God wants is to carve out time for him. That's great. That's a good good, uh, analogy. (laughs) Uh, Another reason why fasting will help you tune in to God really has to do with fasting helps us return to God. Mm -hmm. And we see examples of this. I, I think one of my favorite examples is actually in the book of Joel. There's this prophet, and he's talking to Israelite people who have basically, they have neglected God, and they've been dealing with some tragedies because of that. And so Joel says, hey, you need to return to God and do this with prayer and fasting. And then he even says this in Joel chapter 2, verse 13. He says, rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. And he relents from sending calamity. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we're like that prodigal son that oftentimes just wanders away from our dad. And when you're serious about returning to God and connecting with him, 
sometimes you need to outwardly say, this is how serious I am. I'm willing to go out without food in order to really return to you, God. And that creates a commitment level in your own heart mm. and also shows your good God that you're serious about actually connecting with him. What's your third? Yeah, the third one is actually it demonstrates um, how committed you are to God, what, how serious you are about uh, keeping that time. And, uh, I mean, all the way back from the beginning of time itself on earth, we, we see this pattern where God calls us to... Uh, do sacrifices, essentially. Uh, and while we don't have to do that every time we sin anymore, which is awesome, uh, he was the ultimate sacrifice for us, we still can use fasting as this this way to show God how serious we are about our love for him. And, and while he knows our heart, like this is a really great way to even tell ourselves mm-hmm. how serious we are about our love for God. Uh, is this thing actually less than God in our heart, well, let's give it up for a little while and replace that time with God. Uh, and I, I think, I don't know, it's interesting to me to think back to like Cain and Abel and how God didn't like Cain's but liked Abel's. Yeah. And it was because Abel gave up cheerfully that first mm-hmm. fruits, whereas Cain was like, ah, this is something I have to do. Right. So I think approaching fasting with that heart of this is something that I really enjoy, but you know what, God, I'm happy that I'm getting to spend more time with you uh, and I'm going to give that time up is a really great way to get God happy, I guess. I don't know if that's <laughs> yeah. a good way of putting it. Maybe not, but I think we all understand what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah there's, a, there's a fourth one that I want to share with you, and that's fasting releases God's supernatural power, which might sound a little strange, but fasting, again, that we see this in Scripture, is one of those tools that God uses to actually break down strongholds in our life mm. and just that spiritual dimension that is taking place around us that we don't always see, but we oftentimes feel. We have an enemy that would love nothing more than to create some stress and anxiety, depression, and all kinds of strife in your life. But when you begin to say, okay, you know what? There's something that is opposing what, what God is supposed to be doing in my life or maybe in the community or in our church. Hey, let's actually, let's get serious about seeking God and in this fast, uh, for whatever reason, God actually uh, allows our hearts to be changed in such a way that uh, that even the strongholds of the enemy are broken down. A, a verse that kind of points to this is Isaiah 58, 6. It says, God says, Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and unite the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke? Hmm. So these are just the four ways that I think fasting really can be an asset when it comes to tuning in to God. We've been, as a leadership team here at our church, uh, since the end of May, uh, trying to seek the Lord through prayer and fasting. And so uh, both Josh and I are just going to share our our experience, what maybe we're learning, maybe some of the challenges with that. Uh, Josh, I'm going to let you go first. What has been your experience so far with this? So um, something that I've learned, because I think fasting really teaches us um, what we cling to, mm-hmm. uh, what what it is that we have a hard time giving up. Um, I, I like to, I guess, brag on myself a little bit about how I'm typically not a stress-filled person or a worried mm-hmm. person, uh, but I often forget that before I was really saved, and especially in middle school, 
um, which sounds ridiculous because it's middle school. You have most of your needs taken care of. I was a very worried-filled kid, and that's something that's been in my family a long time. Like, there's a lot of, like, heart issues (laughs) associated with that and heart disease. And I, I constantly was worried. I was constantly scared. I was constantly fearful of things uh, that were the what-if scenarios in my head. And there's times in my life where those can slowly start to become king, I guess, again, where like worries and time and lack of it <laughs> and and just worried that I'm not going to get everything done that I need to get done uh, in time can slowly start to become a god that I set up, you know. Uh, and so, you know, in college especially, I remember there were patterns that I set aside time if I felt so stressed out and I felt like I didn't have enough time, I would use I, that that was a perfect time for me to be like, you know what? I'm still going to carve out time and give it to God, and typically that was all I needed in order to for him to show me, actually you have plenty of time here, like this is this is how your next week can be and I'll get the things that I need to get done and that was what I needed to feel empowered, you know, to get through it. Uh, and then right now, like, this couldn't have came at a better time with, um, you know, uh, camp prep along with my sister's wedding, along with us needing to sell our house, along with us needing to buy a house, along with all of these deadlines that quickly just got thrown in my face. And on top of that, let's keep doing all the things we've been doing. And I, I remember a few weeks ago just thinking I have absolutely no time for any of the things that I want to do. I don't have any time to do fasting. I need to focus on all of these other things. And I just remember thinking, actually, no, you remember <laughs> how you used to be. Like, let's let's set aside some time. And and I have slowly started to do that. I've, I've given myself some personal worship time that has replaced uh, specific times where I would snack uh, I've given up uh, a few of my hobbies that I like to do regularly at home uh, and started to just uh, either worship or, or read. Uh, and particularly the worship, it's just a really great way to center myself again. And the songs I typically sing are all about um, God being holy. And regardless of my circumstance, he is in control. He is king. He is He is over it all. And I always leave that time thinking... You know, if if God isn't worried about the things that I'm going through, if he knows where I'm going to be in a month or two, and he knows where I'm going to be in a year and 10 years down the line, and as long as I am making time for him, and as long as I am trying to keep in step with him, he's going to lead me where I need to be. And those things that I was worried about when I become in tune with, with heavenly things slowly start to be really temporary uh and and i don't know that that that's given me a sense of peace i guess uh, to to shortly answer that question uh i've i've felt peace i've felt uh comfort um i've left those times feeling like i have the strength to get the things i needed to get done and not worry about them uh so i that's That's good that's That's good now that you've got a little bit more time, uh, this may be a good time to let you know I, I'm going to have you preach on Sunday for me. Cool. So okay. if you can work that into just, just you know, I can knock it out. Bit. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> for me, this time has actually been really invaluable. I find myself, I've got a problem, and my problem is that I can be really task oriented, <laughs> so mm. much so that, you know, other people 
other things, maybe even God becomes a distraction from the things that I really feel like I have to do. Mm-hmm. And this season of fasting, fasting from food, fasting from uh, different hobbies that would typically get my attention has allowed me, this might sound a little cheesy, but it, it's a way for me to, to kind of maybe articulate what's going on in my heart. I feel like God is teaching me to be a human being again, <laughs> rather than being a human doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, which again, I know that sounds a little silly, but <laughs> I, I find myself just being a, a doer. Like I'm just gonna do all these things that have to get done and God say, no, 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 just be in my presence. Like be connected to me, mm-hmm. be a human being again, not just a human doing. And there's a sensitivity that has crept in uh, when it comes to just God's presence and my awareness of him when I uh, find myself just kind of locked into all the things that I need to get done, but it's a day where I'm actually fasting and maybe there's a little bit of a hunger hunger pain that, uh, that creeps in. It's a, okay, no, this is actually a great opportunity to remind myself of God's presence and to stop to have a time of worship, to have some time of prayer, open up scripture, hear from God, and uh, and recenter my my relationship back with him. And it's just been really, really meaningful. There there have been some days that have been more meaningful than others. Like some there have been some days where it's like this nonstop like weep fest where it's like, God, you love me so much. And I just like it's just really good. And then there's some some days where I just get caught up in my my stuff. But even in the midst of that, I'm far more aware. Far more aware of his presence and connecting with him in prayer i mean it goes up by you know almost 100 percent so uh really helpful for me i want to end with one more story and this uh, is a story that i heard about a month and a half ago about a uh, an orphanage actually in india and this orphanage every single friday their staff and all the kids they fast every single friday they fast and they don't call it their day of fasting. They call it their day of feasting. Hmm. And they, they explain that they're feasting on Jesus. And when I heard that, that just really transformed how I entered my own times of fasting. Because sometimes it's the, okay, I'm a middle schooler again, and I'm just trying to not eat for the day. To say that I did it. Wow, look at me. I didn't eat. And it's not really that fun. It's kind of miserable, like not eating or not engaging in a certain hobby. But when I begin the day by realizing, oh, hey, this is actually my opportunity. This is my day to feast on Jesus. This is my day where I'm going to be centered on worship. I'm going to be focused in prayer. I'm going to be able to to get into God's word because that time that I would normally use for these things and these activities, now I'm going to use it just to connect with God. And man, it has just absolutely changed my heart perspective um, Mm. from something I didn't really want to do to something that I'm excited to actually do. And one other thing having to do with a story that I think is really convicting and encouraging at the same time is that this orphanage, one of the things that they're doing is actually praying for you on Fridays. So this Friday, as you're thinking about the weekend to come, know that there is a small orphanage in India who are actually praying for you, the American church that God's spirit would be alive and moving and transforming our lives. And when I heard that, it was just a, wow. So they're giving up food, and I'm sure they don't even have as much as us, so that they can pray that we stay connected to God. That was just one of those convicting and challenging moments where it's like, yeah, I need to be seeking and tuning into God just as urgently as they are. Any last thoughts? No. Uh, I honestly just think that if, it goes back to if you have things that you are struggling with and 
you feel like you haven't heard God's voice in a while and, and you want answers to specific questions, I can't think of a better way to find out what what he wants from you. And you might not always get the answers you want. Um, I, I can think of specifically lately, like there's just things where I was like, I wish that you would help make this a little clearer uh, and I'll get into my study. And typically I don't get everything, but uh, it all you'll always leave feeling like God's communicated with you. And typically that's enough. Yeah. Oh, so That's good. Well, don't forget, life is so much better with God, community, and purpose. So tune in to God maybe this week with some time of fasting. God bless.